welcome to the Jewelry Connoisseur Podcast. And now your host, Sonia Esther Sultani. Welcome to this new episode of the Jewelry Connoisseur Podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Esther Sultani, Editor-in-Chief of Rappaport. Strong and Precious promotes jewelry from Ukraine. It came after the invasion of Russia two years ago. Today, we're going to go on a journey through the history of Ukrainian jewelry. Our guest is Olga Olenksenko. Olga is the founder of Strong and Precious. Olga tells us about the designers, why they are distinctively Ukrainian, what's meaningful about their jewelry. But she also takes us back on a trip back to where Ukrainian jewelry started. It's a fascinating conversation that links the past to the present, and I hope you enjoy it. So welcome on this podcast, Olga. We're going to discuss strong and precious, but we're first going to go back to the beginning of the history of Ukrainian jewelry. Hi, Sonia. It's a real pleasure to be here with you today, and uh, thank you for having me. So when does Ukrainian jewelry start, and what are typical materials that you'd like to share with us, typical techniques, and part of the history of the national jewelry? Thank you, Sonia, for the question. We Ukrainians are a very ancient nation, and the art of jewelry in Ukraine spans back to the ancient times, tracing its roots to the New Stone Age or even earlier. As you can see, it's a long way of evolution of the national style, and it developed under the influences of the Tripilian and Scythian cultures throughout the BC era, so it's very ancient cultures. And it evolves further during the medieval state of Kiev Rus. In the 16th-17th centuries, jewelry craftsmanship developed throughout Ukraine, but especially in two jewelry centers, Lviv and Kiev. The jewelers of these cities formed a national school employing techniques like casting, forging, engraving. Also that time the artistry of enamels developed, showing a rich color palette of complex techniques. City expansions and church constructions surged during these times, increased demand of religious items. And of course the spirit of Ukrainian Baroque heavily influenced the creation of sophisticated jewelry. Of course, you heard about European Western Baroque, but uh, Ukrainian Baroque wasn't as lush as uh, Western European. It has calmer ornaments and somewhat simplified forms inspired by local flora. All the traditional jewelries were adorned with intricate ornaments, floral designs, birds and trees, and each carrying a unique meanings for the wearer. I think it would be interesting for the listeners to know something about types of traditional Ukrainian jewelry. Firstly, uh, there is an amisto. It's a necklace predominantly made of beads, pearls, corals, often in shades of red. And our ancestors believed that the Namisto had protective qualities against evil forces and the materials it was made of defined the woman's society status. Another very famous piece is Lunitsa. It's an amulet jewelry resembling a new moon. 
uh, women trusted these amulets to shield them from negativity and to attract prosperity. Of course, we have the famous Rivnya, is the name of our national currency. And before, it was a necklace crafted from gold or silver. The warriors in 10th uh, and 11th centuries received the necklace Rivnya as a reward. During 12th and 14th centuries, the necklace Rivnya gradually turned into an exclusively female decoration. Also, there is the Dukac necklace, and uh, it's the necklace featuring coins. And women creatively use chains or beads to ornament these coins and creating more sophisticated look. That's a lovely overview of the most iconic creations. And actually, moving a bit closer to us, I think most people who love jewelry would have heard of Joseph Marchak, the Cartier of Kiev. And I think, you know, that was very difficult actually for the French Maison to go to Ukraine because he was so, so important and he, people loved his jewelry so much so the, they couldn't compete with him. So can you tell us a bit, about, a bit more about him that people might have heard of, but maybe not, don't know his full story? Yeah, Joseph Marchak uh, was often called Kiev Cartier, and you're absolutely right. Uh, Cartier and Fabergé, they tried to open their boutiques in Kiev in pre-revolutionary times, but they can't compete to Joseph Marchak, the most well-known Ukrainian jewelers from the past. He lived and worked in Kiev in the end of the 19th, uh, beginning of the 20th century. The work of our project and our work ethic is inspired by his example. He is one of the few that has a lasting legacy in jewelry. Luckily, some of his archives were kept by his family, who fled the revolution and continued his legacy first in France and later in the United States. He was an incredibly talented jewelry, a true visionary working in Kyiv. He came to Kyiv to study jewelry craftsmanship and began uh, his career as a chain maker. Later, the motives of the chains became the part of his original style, even in high jewelry. He was talented and successful and uh, continued to develop and increase his business. At the top of his career, he had 92 buildings in Kyiv. Can you imagine? So uh, it wasn't just boutiques, it was uh, training centers, it was workshops. He was more than just successful jeweler brand. He was a visionary and held many progressive values. That is why he is our inspiration. He opened training centers for his employees to constantly improve their skills and hence the quality of the pieces they produced. Another curious aspect is that he was the first to work with many women artisans who were paid equally to men. That is why he can be called one of the first feminists, not only in Ukraine, but in the world also. Uh, overall, he represented Ukraine on the international scene. Exhibitions in Germany, Chicago, Antwerp, where he was rewarded with diplomas and medals. And he created the competition with the international brands there. For these reasons, he is an inspiration to my work at the Strong and Precious. We also aim to represent Ukraine on the international scene, and we want our designers to be appreciated 
globally. We are also planning to put greater focus on educating our jewelers to help them to develop and advance in their craft further. So you've mentioned Strong and Precious, which is how we got to know you more and how we got to discover also designers. First at Gem Genève years ago, then in New York, you've been showing at the New York Jewelry Week. Can you tell us about the designers involved in Strong and Precious and how they're carrying on this beautiful heritage of Ukrainian jewelry, bringing it to the 21st century? But how are they keeping it something very distinctly Ukrainian? in that very varied creation. Each designer of Strong and Precious is very, very unique and standalone. But how do they keep this in the loop of their heritage of your country? Thank you, Sonia, for the question again. Strong and Precious is a project about a place, a land, uh, and a culture. And this is our main inspiration. It's a project that was born from a tragedy, the war in Ukraine, which didn't stop. And it is our response to the war, not an armed response, but an artistic response. And we want to show globally how creative, harmonious and artistic our nation is, how rich our cultural heritage, despite the challenges of war. For our project, we intentionally choose the designers with a distinctive individuality to display the diversity within our nation and common culture. All designers, each of them has its own style and uses its own techniques and materials. However, it is not the technique and materials which makes them typically Ukrainian. I think that the distinctive feature of our designers is having meaning in every piece. And it is the influence of our heritage. In Ukraine, we have traditional patterns that are full of meanings. Each symbol means something. They also differ from region to region. We could find it in our traditional design clothing, but it's also in our jewelry. And the creations of contemporary Ukrainian jewelers are imbued by this vivid symbolism, yet they look very contemporary. I'll make examples from the designers that we represented. For example, Oberit jewelry, they used motifs of Ukrainian embroidery, recreating these patterns in precious stones. Designer Irina Karpova created the collection celebrating our tradition of decorating Easter eggs with the patterns. You know that we have this tradition to decorate Easter eggs, unlike other nations, and she recreates these patterns in jewelry and in enamel. So, also, I see designers being inspired by Ukrainian traditional ceramics. Brand Gunya created a necklace celebrating the ancient Tripilian culture. Traditional Ukrainian ceramics also became an inspiration for Zbana collection by Yuval Studio that we presented at the Gem Genève last November. But our designers work not only with the traditional patterns. For New York City jewelry, week also the last November, we gave everybody a topic 
the modern symbols of Ukraine. And it is very interesting to see how designers improvised on this topic. Of course, it's very difficult to describe jewelry without showing them, but I invite everybody to go to our website and to look at these unique pieces. One of them I'm wearing, it's incredible brush links, which is made by Inessa Kavalova, very young and very talented Ukrainian designer. Inessa has got a master's degree in architecture and if I had not mentioned it, you would have guessed it already. Pure geometry and sobriety of her creation speak for themselves. This brush link is about the ties that cannot be broken. It's about the connection of Vanessa with her native Donbass. It's an industrial region of Ukraine. And this stone, Heliodor, in the heart of the creation, suggests the unbreakable bond between the man-crafted and the natural, between Eastern and Western Ukraine. So you see that it's very symbolic, but in very modern, contemporary way. Also, we had very beautiful necklace by Nomis, it's uh, the other. They created Freedom Black Pearl Necklace. Here they talk about the intellectual capacity of our nation. The fact is that the pearls in this necklace are set not in the chaotic order. The word freedom is encrypted in binary code here. And as you know, binary code is the language of programmers. Ukrainian programmers are well known all over the world and are hired by biggest global IT companies. She just explained the uh, intellectual capacity of our nation. So you can see how contemporary brands make an interpretation of Ukrainian symbols in their own very individual way. This is very moving, a lot of these symbols and very powerful as well. So thanks Olga for highlighting some of these pieces. And I also want to add that it uh, became clear now that for Ukrainians, what they wear and how they adorn themselves is definitely not only about decoration, but about communicating profound messages. And this is the distinguishing feature of Ukrainian jewelry. What about the, the actual Ukrainian jewelry market right now in Ukraine? Since the Russian invasion, things have changed. A lot of the people part of Strong and Precious don't live in Ukraine anymore, are based all over the world, in the US, in Europe. What about the craftspeople? What's happening to them right now? Actually, of course, uh, the war has affected all the spheres of jewelry industry in Ukraine. Firstly, the market shrank straight away, especially during the first months of the invasion when people had limited possibilities to buy jewelry. Now the situation is leveling out, especially in the larger cities and those far from military theater. Despite all the horrors of the war, People still want to have positive emotions and make their loved ones happy. Let's also remember that all the international brands like Cartier, Graf, Van Cleef and Arpels close their boutiques in Ukraine. And this has definitely contributed to the fact that people started to buy products from Ukrainian designers. Another very important aspect is that people now want to wear Ukrainian jewelry to emphasize their national identity and contribute to the growth of the country's economy. 
In Ukraine, we even have some examples of huge commercial success with the local jewelry brands during this period. Maybe you heard Guzema Fine Jewelry. They are sold very well now and they are commercially successful in Ukraine. The situation is not the same bright for everyone in the industry, of course. Smaller producers struggle with the increasement of the prices for precious materials like gold, for example, and um, access to these materials also is limited. That's why they started to use more brass, bronze, silver. There are also some more terrible aspects of working in country where actual war is taking place. A workshop of one of our jewelers suffered from bombing in the first months of the war and they were forced to stop production. And in the end of uh, 2022, a series of blackouts happened when the jewelers simply couldn't start the equipment to melt metal because uh, we had the big problems with electricity. There is also a lack of staff due to the physical absence of talented hands. Many talented artisans left the country and some of them became the part of army to defend the country. So nevertheless, most of the jewelry that we represent at Strong and Precious is created in Ukraine. The jewelry industry in Ukraine is very young, but it is led by very talented people. And we don't want that war to take away their future. We want our jewelers to have an opportunity to work and develop inside the country country, in their country. We hope for that. And, you know, we're obviously hoping for the end of this war that is coming to almost two years by the time this podcast will be released. So on a more positive note, you know, at least Strong and Precious really brought to the international scene the the power of the of Ukrainian designers. So what do you see as the next stage, Olga, in peace, hopefully, very soon? Let's hope for peace, of course. And my primary aspiration for our project is to see our exhibitions presented at the most important art venues internationally. Maybe sound very ambitious, but I'd love for Ukrainian jewelers to be showcased in uh, Metropolitan Museum in New York, in uh, Boston Fine Art Museum, or in Victoria and Albert Museum in London. It sounds like, you know, dream, but I really make plans about that. I would be happy if the prestigious venues could support us and provide us with these spaces and with the help to make in such exhibition. It's a part of my idea that jewelry is an art, not a craft, and it's museum-worthy. In Ukraine, we have so many creative ideas, and I'd love to see all of them to be realized. I also dream of curating a big exhibition dedicated to Marshak, who really deserves big venues also. But of course, I want to integrate our contemporary jewelers into such an exhibition. Even if my aspiration for strong and precious are not directly tied to commerce, I'd love to see the creations of our talented Ukrainian designers on displays at the most prestigious department stores and galleries around the world. And if you want to support our uh, designers by now, you can by buying their pieces on their website 
sides directly. And one of our brands, Nomis, I already told about them. They are represented at Dover Street Market in New York, Los Angeles and London. So you can find them there and support them by buying their pieces. And I sincerely hope that each brand participating in our project achieves significant commercial success and our foundation will help them to achieve more popularity worldwide. That's fantastic. I wish you all the best of luck, Olga. I want to say I've seen the jewelry firsthand. I've been lucky to see it in Geneva. It's extremely crafted. It's innovative and really, really extraordinary um, designer. So I, I wish... Strong and precious designers, all the best. And I'm so grateful to you, Olga, to take the time to tell us about your art foundation and about the history of Ukrainian jewelry today. Thank you. Thank you, Sonia. You know, I have uh, so good energy talking to you. And actually, our conversation has inspired me. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sonia, for having me. Thank you for listening to the Jewelry Connoisseur podcast by Rappaport Jewelry Pro. This episode was hosted by Sonia Esther-Sultani and produced and edited by Vanina Pikolk. You can find all our episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and read more about diamonds, colored gemstones, high jewelry designers, estate jewelry, and the latest jewelry trends on rapaport.com slash jewelry connoisseur. Please subscribe to get all our new episodes. And if you liked this one, leave us a review.